Thank you, Erica. Yeah, actually, I think it was John sticking it to me. He goes to India, and he's like, hey, Rick, I got the hardest question, and I'm wondering, would you mind taking this? Thanks. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to send him a picture. I don't know any of you saw on Facebook this morning, uh, Instagram and all that. He's posting a picture, looking out the windows. He's flying, you know, past the Himalayas, Mount Everest in the background. Picture doesn't do it justice. I was going to post a comment looking out my window from Best Western over here of the church. Like, doesn't do it justice, you know, <laughs> kind of the same thing. Yeah, we're, we're glad to be uh, back with you. I think it was uh, maybe two, two and a half years ago we were here, something like that. Um, and and uh, maybe it's been a few years before that as well. Just, just glad to be able to be here with you. And uh, this is not an easy subject. There was actually a couple of questions that came in. I'm going to tackle this in a different way than I would maybe traditionally uh, preach uh, I'll still be preaching, but uh, this will be sort of addressing a number of questions. Because in this day and age, how do we deal with the disturbing images? So Erica was kind of making it sound nice. Yeah, okay. You know, Noah's Ark, we actually do tell this for like children's stories. You know, okay, kids, look at the little animals two by two up into the ark. Never mind the ones floating on the surface of the water. Okay. Please do not look at those ones, you know. Whoa, yeah, this escalates quickly. You know, uh, the images of our God who is, in fact, bathed in the blood of, of his enemies. Like, what? How do, we, how do we deal with that? This is our Bible, guys, right? This is, this is actually our scripture. Do you actually believe that all scripture is God-breathed? Oh, that was super weak. I think some of you are scared to answer. Do you actually believe all scripture is God-breathed? This is, this is the word of the Lord. This is our scripture. Right? This is our scripture. We confess this is the word of the Lord. Amen? Okay. Uh, this morning, I'd like to focus in on Deuteronomy chapter 7. And I dare say this is probably not a text that Pastor John has probably preached on. I don't know. Although he, he takes all sorts of wild and crazy stuff. I mean, thus this series. So uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so please forgive me if you have anything else. Uh, When the Lord, your God, brings you into the land you are about to enter and occupy, he will clear away many nations ahead of you. The Hittites, Girgashites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. These seven nations are greater and more numerous than you. When the Lord your God hands these nations over to you and you conquer them, you must completely destroy them. Yeah, I heard an amen. Uh-oh. You may want to spread a little further. You must completely destroy them. Now, maybe your translation has a, a different word there. You're going to learn two Hebrew words this morning. I teach Old Testament. It's only fitting you should learn these words because of what they represent for our understanding of the Old Testament, and God as, as, as he has revealed himself through the Old Testament. This word here, your Bible may have a little footnote. If you look down in your Bible, you must completely destroy them, or they are devoted completely to the Lord, or give them over to the Lord completely, something like that, right? Everybody's translation says something like that. Do you all see the footnote? Your Bible probably should have a little tiny, I know, it's those little things you're like, ah, I don't look at those, maybe we should. Uh, it's this little word. Okay, I, I'm going to get the, it's got a little guttural, so, you know, it's morning. <laughs> you get the little guttural. Harem. <laughs> Harem. Can you say this with me? Harem. 
It's the letters H-E-R-E-M, if you're trying to think of how it may be written. Harem. Harem is difficult to translate, which is why your Bible has a footnote saying this word is difficult to translate. It means something like completely devoted to the Lord, given completely over to the Lord, devoted to destruction, something wonderful like that. Now, we, we sing songs about giving ourselves completely over to the Lord. Lord, consume me, have your way, have all of me. You know, I surrender all. Harem. It's harem. It belongs absolutely and completely to the Lord. There is no take backs. Like, <laughs> just kidding. Like, maybe just you can have a little bit. No, harem means it belongs completely to the Lord. It is his to do with as he pleases. So this lovely couple is being haremed to Beaver Bay. We'll believe that the Lord won't consume you with fire in a bad way, but that the fire will come. Huh? 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 I was listening. Okay. Harem. Completely devoted to the Lord. Now these nations are to be harem. Completely devoted to the Lord. Make no treaties with them. This is the rest of the verse. And show them no mercy. I didn't get an amen. Show them no mercy. Oh, man, you guys are dark. Just twisted. You must not intermarry with them. Do not let your daughters and sons marry their sons and daughters, for they will lead your children away from me to worship other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will burn against you, and he will quickly destroy you. This is what you must do. You must break down their pagan altars and shatter their sacred pillars, cut down their astral poles, burn their idols, for you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations. You were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you. And he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery, from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commands. But he does not hesitate to punish and destroy those who reject him. Therefore, you must obey all these commands, decrees, and regulations I'm giving you today. Second Hebrew word. So first was harem, devoted utterly to the Lord, consumed, given completely over to the Lord. The second word is actually this word. Translations also wrestle with this. It's there in, uh, in verse 9. His unfailing love. It's due to the Lord's unfailing love. I sh- I sh- okay, I didn't know if... Sometimes people look behind me and I'm like, is there a text up there? Oh, okay. His unfailing love, his faithful love, his abiding love, his covenant love, his loving kindness. These are some of the different translations. This word is chesed. Say it with me. Chesed. Chesed. You got to really get phlegmy. Chesed. Okay. Chesed. You need a little extra cream in your coffee just to kind of get it, you know, get the mucus going. Chesed. 
Chesed is this abiding, covenant, faithful love. It is the love by which this particular God says, you are my people, not because of anything in you, but just because of my goodness. And because of the promise I made to your ancestors, I will never fail in my love towards you. To a thousand generations, I will love you because of my promise, because of the kind of God I am. Chesed. Love. Because of my love. Because of my gracious, abiding compassion. Now, what in the world does chesed, abiding, faithful love that endures forever, have to do with cherem, devoted completely to the Lord? This is a strange text. So somebody had asked, I, I don't know if anybody wanted to confess. There were ones that wrote this to see what Pastor John would do with it. I don't know. Uh, th- this issue of the command to kill them all. All right, what do we do with this? How do we wrestle with the God that we just, you just sang about? The good, good Father. Yeah, come on. That wasn't actually the song. That's horrible. So. But he's good, good, good. He's good. Is he good? Is he a good father? We, we uh, read the scripture with Jordan. The command Jesus gives, Matthew 28. Well, the command the Lord gives is kill them all. Show them no mercy. Oh, yeah, okay, I got a hallelujah. This is actually the word of the Lord, is it not? Kill them all, show them no mercy. This is the command of the Lord. Kill them all, show them no mercy. Haram, destroy them completely. Remove them, give them all to me. Holy over to me to be consumed. If you don't, I'm going to do that to you. Oh. Kill them all. Show them no mercy. If you don't, I will do that to you. Now, when we, when we reach back, th- this whole account here, it refers to the ancestors, the promise that this God made to the ancestors of this people. You go back into the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 15, verse 16. Genesis 15, 16, is, is one of the times that this God shows up to a man named Abram. And he makes a promise to him. But he tells him, he says, here's the deal. Your ancestors are actually going to go into Egypt for 400 years. By the way, I, I promise you all this land. Remember all the land you've been wandering around, you know, having your sheep and your cattle and all that eating from? I'm giving it to you, dude. It's going to be yours. But not yet. In fact, not for another, like, 400 years. I'm not sure how good of a promise that is if the Lord says, hey, I'm giving you your promise in 400 years. Huh? That's not really helpful for us. The Lord says to Abram, chapter 15, for 400 years, your ancestors, your your descendants will all be in Egypt. They'll actually be made slaves there. But then I'm going to bring them out and give them the land. And the reason the Lord says this is because the sin of the people living in the land has not come to its full yet. The Lord is still having mercy on them for 400 years. How about slow to anger, abounding in love, abounding in compassion? What kind of God tolerates a people sinning for 400 years until he judges? You just consider this for a moment. The Lord had promised the land, and he was going to remove the inhabitants, but he says, you know what? I'm still going to have mercy on these people for 400 years. Okay. 
So th- this promise is actually coming to fulfillment here in Deuteronomy. This is 400 years later. They're about to go into the promised land. They've actually been in the wilderness. In fact, this follows immediately after a renewal of the covenant between this God and this people. The covenant made at Sinai in Exodus chapter 20, reminded to the people in Deuteronomy chapter 5. This covenant we call the Ten Commandments. Moses comes down from the mountain with the ten words written in stone by the finger of the Almighty. And what are the people doing at the bottom of the mountain? Help me out here. Help me out here. Golden calf. They have already decided, here is our God. Let's worship him. He's the one who brought us out. They have actually violated the covenant before the covenant even shows up. Let me ask you, you you guys have probably heard a few of the stories from the Old Testament. How good do you think Israel was at keeping the covenant? I mean, they they were really faithful to have only the Lord their God as their only God, never to worship other idols. No. In fact, it seemed like they made idols out of everything. Oh, there's a tree. Let's worship over there. Oh, here's some nice rocks. Let's worship these. The sun is really shiny. Let's worship that. Is literally, they worshiped the gods of the nations around them. They, they failed from the very first day. So Moses had to rewrite. He wishes there was a copy-paste feature. So he had to re-chisel the stones. They had violated the covenant. Now, we just read it, Deuteronomy 7. If they failed to keep the covenant by having other gods, what would the Lord do to them? Destroy them completely. Harem. Harem. Destroy them completely. Because they failed to do what he said. Right? So, in their stories, did they do what he said? No. So, what should he do to them? Harem. Destroy them completely. Show them no mercy. But what does he show them? Day after day, year after year. I mean, after all, this book of Deuteronomy follows numbers, which records what they did during the 40 years from the time they left that mountain, Sinai, where the Lord came down on it to make covenant with this people and say, no other gods. Numbers is one story after another about this grumbling, complaining, fighting, angsty, they need more coffee people. I mean, every chance they get, they're fighting about something, complaining about something. I really miss the food down in Egypt. They had way better barbecues down there. Like, Moses, who put you in charge anyways? You know, I think we, we could do just again and again and again. Ooh, those Moabite girls look fine. This is translation according to Rick. Time after 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 time. They fail to keep the covenant, and yet, and yet, and yet, he has mercy, 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 because chesed, abiding faithful love, that though they are unfaithful, he is faithful. Though they break the covenant, he will never break the covenant. Though he has said, harem, 
I will destroy you completely if you do not observe all of these things, and they don't observe any of those things. They treat it as their list of things to do, right? Okay. It's like me. I'll make public, public confession to you right here. When I hear somebody tell me a rule when I go someplace where they tell me the rule, I immediately think challenge accepted. I know some of your hearts are with me in that, okay? It's the Lord. He's still sanctifying me. He's still working on me to make me what ought to be. The, the thing is, th- these folks treated it like a list of this is what we should do. And the Lord, rather than destroying them, showed them mercy. Because the God he is, is a good God. The God he is, is a merciful God. The God he is, is a faithful, loving God. So how do we, how do we come to Kill them all. Show them no mercy. How do we reconcile this? By the way, what, what kind of folks were living in the land? What, what, what were the sins that were so bad? I mean, were they really that bad? Were the sins of the people living in Canaan really that bad? If you go back to the book of Leviticus, you can see how bad they were. Again, this is a long list. I know Leviticus is not your normal. You know, people set out to read the Bible in a year, and they like Genesis. Okay, this is all right. This is all right. Stories. Exodus. It starts with stories, and then it starts getting a little less exciting for the second half. Descriptions of the tabernacle. And maybe you spiritualize it so you can find some kind of fun stuff in there. And then you get to Leviticus. And you cut the skin off, and you cut the head off, and then you, okay, you remove those kidneys, and then you grill this. And then this animal on this day, you got to cut this skin off and cut this head off. And oh, by the way, if you have any of these fluids coming out of you, or your skin gets all freaky and the hair changes color, and you're like, oh, I, I thought the Bible would be more interesting than this. You get to these chapters that are all about weird sexual sins. All sorts of them. And you're like, this is in our Bible. By the way, that doesn't make our preschool Sunday school lessons. Probably for good reason, for good reason. It doesn't seem to make our adult Sunday school lessons, our adult Bible studies. Leviticus. Leviticus, the Lord keeps saying, don't be like the folks that I'm barfing out of the land. I'm throwing them up out of the land. I'm removing them from the land for you. If you do the things that they do, I'm going to do the same to you. I will get rid of you like I get rid of them. The kinds of things they were doing was abusing the poor and the needy, the widows and the orphans. The kinds of things they were doing was abusing the foreigners. The kinds of things they were doing was abusing the slaves and the servants among them. The kinds of things they were doing was abusing the women among them. The kinds of things they were doing were, were abhorrent because they were, they were simply greedy. They were selfish. They were self-centered. They were destructive to relationships, destroying families. They were burning their children in fire. They don't care about their children. They don't care about other people's children. They violate each other left and right. They just don't care. There's no boundaries. I'll do what I want to do. Makes me feel good. The Lord says, I'm removing them for this. Don't you be like that. Quick question. Did Israel become like that? Yes. As the story unfolds, Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings, we get the story in the land. We get the story in the land. And the Lord shows mercy. The Lord shows mercy. And even when he raises up a people against them, he raises up a judge to deliver them. 
And he raises up someone else against them because they sin again. And he raises up another judge to deliver them. Why? Because he is merciful. He is gracious. He is compassionate. This is the God of the Old Testament. He abounds in love. When he even says, show them no mercy, he shows them mercy. When he says, I'm not going to tolerate it. I'm going to destroy you. He chooses not to. You consider this for a moment. Do the Jewish people remain to this day? This is, this is not a trick question. Yes. Is it because they are so great a people that they exist to this day? Or is it simply because of a promise that the God of this people made to them, not because of their faithfulness, but because of his faithfulness, that we have texts, our texts, that were preserved through generations over hundreds of years where, though he says, show them no mercy, he showed them mercy. In the unfolding of his plan, we, they, they, they go into the land. By the way, the Lord already knew they were going to blow it. I mean, he said, when you get there, please don't, don't have your boys and girls marry their boys and girls. Don't you dare worship their idols. The rest of Deuteronomy keeps saying, I know you're going to blow it, but I will, I will judge you if you blow it. When you choose the sinful. He, he knows they're going to do it. He's like, you shouldn't have a king because I'm your king. But when you choose a king from among you, chapter 13, he's like, you guys couldn't tolerate me at the mountain. You were afraid I was going to consume you with fire. Chrem. You were afraid I was going to consume you with fire. So you said, please, please give us a prophet. Please give us someone to speak for us. So I gave you Moses. And in fact, I'll give you another prophet like Moses. Because what you said is good. Because you're right. I'll kill you all. You can't survive. Because not one of you measure up. You cannot keep your side of the covenant. I would literally consume you all. Haram. But because of chesed, I will give you... Someone on your behalf. Now, we, we go into their story. Joshua. They go into the land. This is, old man Moses is dead. He's gone on. He doesn't even get to go into the promised land because of breaking the command of the Lord. They go into the promised land, and you know the story. Joshua leads the people to the first city after they've, they've had one of the weirdest military commitments they've ever done. They circumcise all the men. Moms and dads, I'll let you explain that to your children later. I just messed them up. Sorry. Uh... They, they get to Jericho. It's been days. It's been weeks building up to this. It's been months building up to this. They've crossed the Jordan. Miraculously, the water spreads. They cross over. They get to the walls of Jericho. And you know the story. They'd had two spies that had been sent in, and they find this woman who was very welcoming. Very welcoming. Some of you get it. There's a reason why, by the way, in a walled city... But folks didn't live in these cities, not typically. The cities were more fortifications, more defensive. Folks lived out in the countryside. They lived in little farms, little houses scattered around fields everywhere. You didn't live in the city. Basically, nobody lived in the city. Except for those special city folk who could always find employment, even during wartime when all the wives are gone. Just, just to throw this out there, okay? That's the reason why she's still behind. She could make a killing in the money. I know, you, you didn't want me to go there. It's okay. This Sunday morning, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. She remains behind. 
Rahab. She remains behind as a prostitute. She hides the guys. She lies to the soldiers who come to find them. She sends off these guys. They, they say, I tell you what, we will spare you and everyone who's in your house. If you just put this scarlet cord out your window, we'll make sure. We'll, we're going to kill. By the way, we're going to kill everybody and everything in the city. We're going to burn down the whole city. There's not going to be anything left except for whatever is with you in your house. Anybody. Anything. We're going to spare that. Now, the Lord has actually commanded in Joshua, Joshua chapter 6, everything in the city was harem. This is the exact word used, to be completely destroyed. Everything. Every man, woman, child, all the dogs, all the cats. Just to brutalize you a little bit with this, okay? Everything. Kill them all. Kill them all. You're not allowed to take any of the gold, the silver, the clothes, nothing, right? They go into the city, well, of course, seven days, six days, once around, seven day, seven times around. It wouldn't take that long because it's not that big of a city. They go around, they go around. Walls come down. Wow! They go into the city. By the way, would you have stayed behind in a city where there was a massive army coming? Or do you think you would have left town? I mean, this is, this is one of those things. Uh, okay, so we face blizzards. There's not really a lot of places for us to go. But every time I watch the news in, like, Florida, right, I'm seeing the hurricane and, like, the people fleeing. But there's always that one dude, I'm going to drive my pickup truck out there. I'm going to stay behind because I'm not going, you know. And then some helicopters rescuing him. Right? Basically, everybody flees, right? Come on. The smart folks flee. Right? The smart folks flee. The dummies stay behind to take selfies with the hurricane destroying them. Okay? It's survival of the fittest at its most basic. Right? We're just trimming the herd. Okay. Who stays behind in Jericho? I just want you to think about this. This is the reality, the reality of warfare. Who stays behind in Jericho? Do you think it's all the women and the children? You think just everybody hangs out there like there's nothing since basically nobody lives there anyways? It's essentially a fortification. Who do you think is behind the walls of Jericho? Just thinking practically. Soldiers. Oh, smart guy over here. He went to Bible college. Soldiers. Yes. And a prostitute who's making a killing in the money. I mean, just quite literally, this is why she's behind. She can actually make lots of money during this time because those soldiers. Okay. Literally, it's just a city, a city, a walled fortification of soldiers, and anybody who stays to Fight against Israel, knowing days in advance that they're coming. This was not a sneak attack. This was not a blitzkrieg where they just roll over the top of them. This takes a whole week even where they continue just marching around. There is opportunity to surrender, opportunity to flee. Those who stay, stay to fight. So I just just want you to think about this for a moment. This is the first city. Now, everything in the city was supposed to be, what was the word? Harem, completely destroyed. However, Rahab and everyone who's with her, the scriptures are clear about this, her whole family, anybody who was in her house and all her stuff gets spared, right? Praise the Lord. Except apparently there's little other stuff that gets spared as well. Some silver, some gold, some fancy suits. Oh, those threads are nice. This dude named Achan. I really hope that wasn't his birth name because then his mom and dad named him Troublemaker. 
That's literally what Aiken means. It's like troublemaker. I called my kids that, but that's not, I'm not, okay. Aiken. Aiken, troublemaker. Okay, they, they destroy the city of Jericho. They go to the city of Ai, right? You guys know the story, chapter 7, chapter 8. This, this follows in, in the book of Joshua. They go to the city of Ai. They're like, this is going to be easy. We're going to beat this. We're going to harem the city because the Lord commands it. Destroy everything. Devote it completely to me. They get their butts handed to them. I don't know if that's appropriate Sunday morning talk, but that's okay. I'm a guest speaker. They get destroyed. They get owned. I mean, they, they just go running, and they're like, oh, my goodness, we just got wasted by those guys. This should not happen. And they, they're trying to get, what, what, is, what is wrong with us? We should have won. The Lord is with us. Amen. They're claiming their victory, and then they're getting trashed. <laughs> well, then the Lord's like, yeah, actually, there's one of y'all has taken stuff that was mine. I said, harem, and you said, nah, I'll keep back this little bit. That's some nice, those are some nice clothes. I, I, will, I will baptize the silver and gold in the name of the Lord. It will be holy. I'll just use it for kingdom purposes. Hallelujah. Well, as it turns out, the Lord says there's sin in the camp. And the Lord ends up, you know, through the casting of lots, there's like the magic eight ball of the Lord. Which tribe? This one. Which clan? This one. Which family? That's the sound of the eight ball, okay? In case you're wondering, what's that weird sound Rick's making? The Lord says, that one, that one, that one, until it gets down to Achan. And then they go to his tent. They find under his tent. He's got silver, gold, clothes. He had saved because it was all supposed to be harem, right? And he doesn't harem it. He doesn't give it completely to the Lord. He keeps some for himself. The Lord says, okay, Achan, you and your wife and your children and your animals and your tent and your silver and your gold and everything with you now is harem. Because you took what was harem, I'm making you and everything with you harem. What in the world? I mean, we, we get brutalized by this. We're thinking, oh, my goodness, the wife and the children and the little puppies and the kitties. And Okay, i got to make it more brutal. Sorry. Just kill them all. Take them out to the valley. The whole community picks up rocks, throws the rocks at them until they're all dead. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. What do we do with this? What was harem belongs to the Lord and must be given to the Lord. Now, Rahab and all those who were with her ought to have been harem. Right? You tracking with me? She belongs to these people that are described here in Deuteronomy 7, kill them all, show them no mercy. But they show mercy to her and all those with her and everything that she has. It's not harem. But Achan and all he has is made harem because he fails to honor harem. Oh, what are we to do with this conundrum? Our Lord is gracious and compassionate. He loves people. He loves people. Even when they're judged, He loves people. He doesn't stop loving them. He may judge the world, but this is the same God who loved the world. He made it. 
He's the one who put the nations where they are. He's the one who causes there to be life and breath. He's the one who feeds even the creatures of the field and the birds of the air. He gives them all homes. He knows them all. He loves them. Through the family of Rahab, we get the genealogy of David. Through the genealogy of David, we get the genealogy of Jesus. And in this moment of the Lord's mercy shining through, because this is the God he is, gracious and compassionate, abounding in love, quick to forgive, slow to anger. And even when he says, show them no mercy, he shows mercy. He shows mercy. Even when he says, destroy them all, he stays his hand and doesn't. Because he will do as he will do to redeem the nations for himself. Amen? This is our scripture. Now, what do we, what do, we do in the course of time? The, the, uh, somebody had asked the other question about Psalm 137. Psalm 137. This is a song that is sung. Uh, so we, we get hundreds of years. So from, from the time of this story, 1200s, 1400s, depending on your chronology, down to 586, the destruction of Jerusalem and the house of this God and the son of David removed from the throne, 586, Babylonian exile. They sing this song, Psalm 137. And this is like not one of those. I don't think Pastor Jordan's ever led this song in worship. The last verse of that. May their baby stone heads be dashed against the stones. No? You guys haven't sung that chorus? Maybe their baby's heads be dashed against the stones. That's, that's not a chorus you've sung? Hands lifted high, worshiping the Lord. You, you see there, Psalm 137? Come on. You got, some of you are like, I don't believe it. Rick, is a, he's a heretic. We've got to get this guy out of this church as soon as possible. Happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes them against the rocks. Happy is the one who takes your babies. Some of you are disturbed that I'm singing this like this. That's the song. This is their hymnal. It's their hymnal. Ancient Israel's hymnal. Our hymnal. This is the word of the Lord. What do we do with something like this? I mean, in, in, so we, we already said Israel blew it, Israel blew it, Israel blew it, right? They violated the covenant again and again and again and again. They should have been harem. The Lord should have completely consumed them, but he doesn't because of chesed. He has mercy. He has grace. He has compassion. For 600 plus years, he has mercy on them until he sends them into exile for 70 years. During that 70 years, the Babylonians, the, the ones who came, destroyed the city. For about a year and a half, they laid siege to the city. Uh, and it was brutal. And when they finally tore down the walls, they literally cut babies out of pregnant women and threw them on the rocks along the cliffs of Jerusalem. And this, this psalm begins, the Babylonians, that by the rivers, we sing. Or we, we sit, sorry, we sit, we sit, and you taunt us. Sing to us your happy songs of Zion. That's the mountain where the Lord lives. Sing to us your happy songs. No, no, we've hung our harps, our guitars, they're, they're strapped up on the tree. I'll tell you what, I got a song for you, Babylon. Here's your song. Happy is the one who dashes your babies against the rocks. 
Yeah, and it's not never going to catch on. It's not going to be on a Christian radio. They sing that the Lord would be just. In whatsoever you do, may it be done to you. The Babylonians had so violated the nations, not just Israel, the nations, destroying their children with incredible violence. I mean, I I can't even imagine this. I can't even imagine this. The depravity of the hearts of the Babylonians to carry it so far in their coming against these nations and just displaying waste to them, brutalizing them. Israel sings, Lord, do to them as they did to others. But is that the end of the story? Is that the end of the story? That's the end of that song. That's not the end of the story. Where is Jesus in all this, guys? So there's a well-known preacher. John would appreciate this quote because we've had conversations about it. Very well-known preacher nationally. He, he made these comments over the last couple of years. He wrote a book even about it. He's preached sermon series about it, about unhitching the Old Testament from the New because we just need to leave that kind of behind. No, this is the Scriptures. In fact, it's Deuteronomy that Jesus quotes three times against the devil to worship the Lord your God, that it's by his word only that you live. Do not test him, right? He, he literally is quoting Deuteronomy. When Jesus is being questioned about the greatest commandment, what is the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? This is really weak, guys. What is the greatest commandment again? I think it's, I think it's loving something. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Any guess where that comes from? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Because even Jesus knows, even the Jews know, this is the heart, this is the heart of this God. Faithfulness and love of this God who in fact loved them enough to preserve them, though he said I will destroy you completely. He doesn't. He has mercy. He redeems. He saves. He keeps a remnant because he's merciful. He's gracious. He's compassionate. And this is his word. And Jesus takes up this word. And Jesus in fact embodies this word. They wanted someone, a prophet like Moses, to come between them so they would not be consumed. They got one. And what did they do with them? They crucified him. And according to the book of Deuteronomy, any man hanged on a tree is cursed. This is, this is why they choose to do it. Now, it was a Roman practice, but the Jews wanted him crucified because anyone hanged on a tree, according to the Scriptures, is cursed. The Lord has judged this one as cursed, rejected, harem, consumed completely, given over to the Lord. But Jesus says, John chapter 3, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. By this, he was referring to his being crucified. He knew he would be harem. But he knew in being consumed by the fires of the Almighty, he would come out refined like gold because he was faithful. He never violated the covenant that Israel failed. Hundreds of years failed to keep, failed to keep, failed to keep, failed to keep. And the Lord in his mercy continued to spare them, continued to spare them. Even when he judged them, he had mercy. He says, show them no mercy. Yet he shows them his mercy. 
And in Jesus, it swings wide the doors of his mercy. In Jesus, we see the face of the God who made the heavens and the earth, the God who called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who made covenant at Sinai through the fires. We see the face of this God, and his name is Jesus. And we see his father. He's a good father. He's a good father. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. Son on the righteous and the unrighteous. Because he loves. Because he is love. This is why we love the Lord our God and we obey all of his commands. Kill them all, show them no mercy. We, we take, let's take seriously what the, what the word of the Lord is. Uh, this, is this is not like the altar call. It's like we're going to pass out swords on your way out. Nobody dare say, well, that Pastor Rick said, I was, no, 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 I will denounce you before the Lord himself. By the word of the Lord, you will commit this world to Jesus as harem, devoted completely to him, and you will give yourself, because the Lord has declared you, harem, devoted completely to him, and he will consume you. But if you're in Jesus, the one who endured harem, who took it willfully upon himself, who did not deserve it. We deserve it. Hello, church. Have any of you kept the commands of the Lord perfectly? Violated them in any way? Have you ever violated the word of the Lord? You ever sinned? You're looking scared. Okay. <laughs> I don't have a knife. It's okay. I'm not going to. You ever sin? You guess. Mom, help him out. He says, Mom. Mm-hmm. Well, we know. Anybody? Anybody here without sin? Anybody? Anybody? I mean, even the little babies, they live for themselves completely, just consumed by... Give me. Change me. Make me go to sleep. Don't make me go to sleep. Here's the deal. We could not withstand the day of the Lord. We could not withstand his judgment. We could not withstand his presence. It's a consuming fire. We, we, we couldn't stand in that day. None of us would survive. We would be harem, consumed by fire, by his all-consuming fire. But for God's own gift of life for us, the man, Jesus, the Son of God, Son of Man, the one who withstands the fire of God's wrath and in fact is raised again by the will of the Father and seated at His right hand and bringing all those with Him who would place themselves in Him, who would trust in Him as God's own chesed, abiding love. The Scriptures say, and we read it, Deuteronomy 7, it's said multiple times, to those who love Me, I will keep them to a thousand generations. This is why we abide in Jesus. We become the descendants. We become the generation that are welcomed as brothers, as sisters. We become his family, brought with him. Brought with him. Given completely to the Lord, but swallowed up in the everlasting love. Amen? Amen. So even, even Psalms like 137 about the enemies. We pray for justice, friends. 
I don't, I don't know how much you follow world news and what happens to folks all over the world, the, the abuse, the destructiveness. It's overwhelming at times. It's depressing. It's consuming. I've turned the news as opportunities to pray for those who are suffering, those who are in need, rather than just getting angry because, you know, okay, we can get angry, worked up. I choose it as prayer. And when I hear about brothers and sisters suffering around the world, I pray for them. And I think of John preaching where it's actually illegal to preach. Praise the Lord. But there are those who will live there. John will come safely back home. There are those who will remain. I've had friends in in northern India who have paid with their lives preaching the good news of Jesus to declare His mercy, to declare His mercy, to declare His love. Amen? So we, we, we pray, we pray, we pray for an end to the suffering. We pray, we pray for an end to the perversions that happen in our country, in our world. We work for this end. I long for a day where children are not abused, not abandoned. I long for a day where there doesn't have to be a hashtag me too where women don't have to be afraid. Amen? Amen? I I long for a day. I long for a day where goodness reigns over the earth. Where God's goodness reigns over the earth. We, We pray for judgment, but we pray for mercy. We pray for judgment, but we pray for mercy. That God in His graciousness, His compassion would redeem, would save those suffering, would protect them, care for them, deliver them. But that God would also mete out justice. But may His mercy, may His mercy triumph even over His justice. I'm going to invite you. Maybe there's some here... uh, you need to you need to come to the lord you you just you've had imaginings about the lord or your commitment to him or you thought that you were going to make it on your own you know that you're not i mean the scriptures are plain about this there's only one way it is jesus he declares clearly he is the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except by him no one meets the standards except through him all fall short of his glory all fall short of his standard but he has made a way if that's you, maybe you'd like to come talk with, with one of the prayer team or myself. Um, maybe someone would like prayer just for something else. Maybe the Lord is just stirring your heart today about some other matter. We're happy to pray with you. I just I, I would like you today, when you leave, let your vision be captured by God's love for you. God's love for you in Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, you are good. We've spoken it. We've sung it. We're not lying about this. You are good. You are good. You are good. And Lord, we thank you, Jesus, that you have shown us the face of the Father who loves us. Though, Lord, you have commanded, show them no mercy. You have shown mercy. Lord, you have shown us that though there is judgment, though there is this standard, though there is this all-consuming fire, that when we abide in you, when we trust in you, you have provided the way of redemption. You have provided a way out. You have shown mercy where there didn't seem like there could be mercy. You've shown goodness where there didn't seem to be goodness. Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to you, fix our eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith, that we would trust in you in everything, in your holy, holy name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.